Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. When I was a kid, I used to really look forward to a nice cold glass of Kool-Aid when my mom would make it for us. We got it as special treats and such. Then David Koresh went around and poisoned all those people in Jonestown, Guyana with tainted Kool-Aid, poisoning all of his cult members, and the term Kool-Aid became bad. It also got a bad rap in the African american 13% hyphenated minority crowd in the United States. Come on, man, let's go to my mama house and get some Kool-Aid. Well, now again, Kool-Aid has another bad name. People who are swallowing and drinking the Kool-Aid of the Democratic Party. Kool-Aid originally came in six flavors, grape, orange, cherry, root beer, lemon, lime, and raspberry. And throughout the years, they've added and taken away flavors, come out with sugar-free versions, and kids across the nation, white, black, Asian, Latino, etc., all enjoy the flavored, watery drink. But it's a little different when you swallow the Kool-Aid, as they say. The left-leaning media networks, including ABC, MSNBC, CNN, CBS, and others, they finally have come to the realization that they drank the Kool-Aid when they were supporting the so-called lie known as the recently signed Inflation Reduction Act. It does not in any way, shape, fashion, manner, or form reduce inflation. But the signing of that bill, a watered-down version of the Build Back Broke, Build Back Better agenda of Joe Biden, was highly praised by Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama, the former president, and the guy currently pulling some of Joe Biden's strings. In fact, right after signing the bill, Barack Hussein Obama walked up to Joe Biden and said, this is a BFD, hearkening back to the time where Joe Biden introduced Barack Hussein Obama as president whilst he was the vice president and told Barack Hussein Obama, hey man, this is a big deal, man. BFD, big deal. But I digress. Back to the topic at hand. Those left-leaning media outlets, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, and the like, they have finally realized the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't actually reduce inflation. But not until now, not until the bill had been signed into law, will they admit it. That bill was signed into law after being passed by the Senate earlier this month, the House of Representatives last week, will cost an estimated $437 billion, with $369 billion going towards investments in energy security and climate change, according to a released summary by Senate Democrats. $437 billion total, $369 billion of that going towards investments in energy security and climate change. Democrats claim the legislation will soften the deficit by raising $737 billion in taxes. So you see, they raise $737 billion in taxes, spend $437 billion on BS programs, and they can run around and say that they're reducing the deficit by $300 billion. It doesn't actually work that way. Part of their plan is to impose a 15% corporate minimum tax 
which they claim might raise $222 billion. My thoughts are it's going to run a bunch of companies out of the United States of America. And if you think we have a supply chain shortage now, thanks to gropey Joe Biden's lousy running of our economy, wait till you see what happens when corporations start to leave so they don't have to pay taxes, additional taxes, under this new proposal. Another part of this massive spending and taxing and taxing and taxing bill is a prescription drug pricing scheme that the Senate estimates could raise $265 billion. Now, one thing the Inflation Reduction Act is not expected to do, according to multiple analyses, is to reduce inflation. So they called it the Inflation Reduction Act. It doesn't reduce inflation. So I guess when they next time come out with the COVID Relief Act, it won't do anything to relieve COVID. Oh, wait, they've already done that. The Congressional Budget Office says the bill will have a negligible effect on inflation this year and in 2023 next year, just a few short months from now. The impact will range between reducing inflation by one-tenth of a percent to increasing inflation by up to one-tenth of a percent. The facts were hard to come by on a number of liberal media networks, with all of the hosts and talking heads parroting the talking points of the Congressional Democrats and neglecting to press them on the bill's perplexing name, the lie, calling it the Inflation Reduction Act when they knew for a fact nothing would be reduced from an inflation standpoint. In fact, my friends, four days before the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, CNN analyst Ryan Lizza called the legislation, quote, a big deal, unquote, and said its passage would make Joe Biden an enormously consequential president whose legislative win would put him in the modern pantheon of great leaders. God, they are coming up. They're shoveling the bullshit out now with giant backhoes. Less than a week before the bill was signed, NBC Nightly News hyped the so-called Inflation Reduction Act as a, quote, blockbuster billion-dollar deal, unquote. They touted unprecedented investments in energy that will put downward pressure on inflation. Of course, another lie. The day before that, CNN Newsroom host Pam Brown claimed that Biden was, quote, one of the legislatively successful presidents in modern history, unquote. Really? They haven't passed anything of consequence until this boondoggle. Pam Brown became confrontational with a former campaign Trump advisor named David Urban over the Inflation Reduction Act. According to the analysis of Grabian transcripts, only ABC's George Stepton Poupoulos, CNBC's Joe Kernan, and CNN's Poppy Harlow managed to squeak out a little question about the bill's meager impact on inflation before it passed the U.S. Senate before they tricked Joe Manchin into signing it. But as soon as the bill came into law, the liberal media suddenly began asking questions, asking guests why the legislation was named the Inflation Reduction Act if it did not, in fact, reduce inflation. Here's a quick analysis. On Tuesday's installment of CNN's New Day, Brianna Keeler claimed that the passage of the bill was, quote, a significant victory for Biden's agenda and for his party, even if questions remain about whether it will live up to its name, unquote. John Harwood, told John Berman and Keeler that the spending bill signed by President Gropey Joe Biden was titled Inflation Reduction Act as a marketing device to get moderate Democrats such as Senator Joe Manchin to support it. A marketing device, better known as an out-and-out -out lie. It's sort of like if Kellogg's came out tomorrow saying, cornflakes will absolutely eliminate any heart disease, 
any cancer, any diabetes, and any other diseases you have because they're great. And then, after everybody goes out and buys cornflakes, they come out and say, oh, well, it was a marketing gimmick. It was a marketing device that we used to get people to buy cornflakes, but hey, they taste pretty good. And then, in an astonishing feat of stupidity, John Harwood echoed and parroted the exact words of the Congressional Budget Office when he said the legislation would have, quote, negligible effect, unquote, on lowering inflation, and asserted that the legislation did not live up to its name and concluded the bill did not live up to its name. Remember, six days before that bill was signed, Harwood made no mention of this negligible effect or the marketing device name. Instead, he called the Inflation Reduction Act a sudden reversal of fortune for the president. He said, quote, First of all, it's important to stop and recognize the breadth of accomplishments that Democrats and President Biden have achieved. MSN contributor and Vote Latino founding president Maria Teresa Kumar similarly praised Gregory Joe Biden and the Democrats for the, quote, marketing branding genius behind their latest spending bill. On Wednesday, economist Jeffrey Sachs also claimed the legislation was, quote, a marketing tool that doesn't address inflation at all, unquote. That was on Randy Kay's CNN show. Hours after the passage of the bill, though, ABC's Jonathan Carl presented the findings of the CBO report to White House press secretary, lesbian gay black girl, Karine Jean-Pierre. He said, well, let me ask you, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, but the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, said there would be negligible effect on inflation this year and barely impact inflation at all next year. Isn't it almost Orwellian? Jean-Pierre said, the legislation will benefit Americans by making so billionaires in corporate America pay their fair share, lower the deficit, and make the tax system more fair. A week earlier, Jonathan Carl had no such concerns about the bill. Instead, he hyped up Biden, claiming Biden is on a roll legislatively. Karine Jean-Pierre is a paid liar, not lawyer, liar. Impeachment should begin immediately against the congressional Democrats who promoted this so-called marketing scheme, which is indeed an out-and-out -out lie. Democrats should be forced to resign or be impeached, including Joe Biden, who signed the bill knowing it would not reduce inflation. It, in and of itself, will not reduce inflation. Look, folks, prices are going to eventually start to come down. It's a cycle. Cycles, however, are infected either adversely or positively by the actions of the person at the top. In this case, gropey Joe Biden. His actions on day one of becoming the president of the United States of America in January of 2021 set forward and set in motion an inflationary track that this country has followed for 19 straight months. We were at 1.8 and 2.1 under Donald Trump. Slow, steady, meticulous, properly gauged and calculated growth. Joe Biden comes into office, wrecks the oil and gas industry, destroys the coal industry, starts letting two to four million illegal immigrants into the country, destroys confidence in the American economy, raises inflation, raises taxes, brings on supply chain issues that we've never seen since wartime in World War II, almost 80 years ago. CNN's Kate Boulden similarly pressed Cecilia Rose, a member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, saying, 
There were a lot of other names the legislation could have been named that would have been more fitting. If you passed a bill called the Fill Every Pothole Act, I mean, voters should expect you to fill every hot pothole, right? She said this at one point. So should voters measure the success of this bill on how much you reduce inflation? Days after the passage of the bill, CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin of the Squawk Box began a Wednesday morning interview with Brian Deese, a White House economic advisor, by noting that, quote, questions remain over whether the Inflation Reduction Act will actually do what it says. He also directed Deese and the audience to a Chiron which read, Will it live up to its name? Deese, of course, in true White House fashion, failed to answer whether legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act would have a positive impact on inflation. Instead, he did what Democratic people do when they're in charge. He twisted and turned and sidestepped and backpedaled and crawfished and said he and others felt it was a consequential important step to make sure the Biden administration's fiscal policy was complementing the monetary policy of the Federal Reserve. In other words, they lied, Americans drank the Kool-Aid, and now we, the people, will have to pay the price. The price in the form of higher direct taxes and those indirect taxes that will most certainly be passed on to us by the corporations that now have to pay more taxes. Do you honestly think they're going to just simply absorb it? You cannot possibly be that stupid. There's not enough Kool-Aid in the nation for you to be that stupid. This is the Truth Hurts Program. By the way, I mentioned earlier that Joe Biden, under his administration, has allowed about 4 million illegal criminal trespassing, law-breaking, invading migrants to come across our southern border with impunity, meaning not punished at all for breaking our most sacred sovereign law. And now, the Border Patrol, under Biden's direction, under Alejandro Mayorkas' direction, is opening gates that were locked by the Texas National Guard for the sole purpose of allowing illegal immigrants to enter the United States. Unbelievable, but I'm going to read this to you. Border Patrol agents on Wednesday opened a locked gate that was locked by members of the Texas National Guard under the order of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. That gate, of course, meant to keep illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading aliens out. Border Patrol agents were ordered to unlock the gate and allow immigrants much deeper into the United States of America. Fox News camera crew witnessed members of the Guard closing and locking the gate situated on private property that had previously been opened to deny entry to migrants who crossed illegally and were expecting to be allowed into the U.S. under Biden's failed immigration policies. The illegal immigrants were then seen standing outside the gate waiting to be allowed in while the Texas National Guard looked on. A little while later, the Border Patrol agents appeared and opened the locked gate, allowing immigrants to get through and to be processed into the U.S. immigration system, where they, of course, will be released right on into the general population of the nation. The incident demonstrates a stark contrast in approach between Texas state authorities and Gropey Joe Biden's federal Border Patrol and Customs and Border Protection agencies. Under Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, Texas has surged law enforcement to the border under a program called Operation Lone Star. This, of course, included a focus on stopping migrants from entering the U.S. Texas now returns recently entered illegal immigrants to the border, and its own border wall construction is underway. The Border Patrol agents, on the other hand, have been increasingly made to focus on forcing immigrants through the system, processing migrants on into the interior of the country. Migrants, frequently not seeking to escape the Border Patrol, simply seek them out and walk right into their 
loving arms. <laughs> this way they can be quickly processed and released into the United States of America, never to be seen again by a federal agent. While some are still returned under the still ongoing Title 42 public health order, the majority of illegal trespassing criminal invading alien migrants are simply released into the U.S. Bienvenidos, Estados Unidos. Come on in. Welcome to the United States. This way they can wait for their immigration hearings, which can take many, many years. In fact, out of 199,976 illegal immigrants caught in July, almost 200,000, 24 shy of 200,000 in one month alone, and that's just the ones we caught. Only 74,500 were expelled. Simple math, 125,400 illegal immigrants were simply processed, pushed through the system, given an iPhone, maybe some new blue jeans and tennis shoes, and told, see ya, where do you want us to take you? Air-conditioned buses, vans, we'll take you anywhere you want to go, except, of course, New York or D.C. Governor Greg Abbott is sending them to New York and D.C. Some agents have expressed anger over being taken off the front lines and now being forced to process those who have illegally entered. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas told frustrated agents in January, quote, I know the policies of this administration are not particularly popular with U.S. Customs and Border Protection, but that's the reality, and let's see what we can do within that framework. In other words, I got a report to gropey Joe Biden. I like my cushy job at the top, so we're just going to do what he says. Suck it up, buttercup. I want to go back to that 199,976 encounters, they call them, with illegal trespassing, criminal invading, law-breaking immigrants at our southern border. That was just in the month of July alone. And that monthly figure is fluctuating right around that same 200,000 number. So let's just use 200,000, 200,000 times 48 months of Biden. That's 9,600,000 illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants that will have entered through the southern border and gotten caught by the Border Patrol during Biden's entire four-year presidency. That means we as a nation will go from 331 million Americans all looking for shelter, clothing, food, employment, safety, security, roads, bridges, schools, hospitals, other forms of health care, recreation, tourism, etc. We will then add another 10 million. Let's round it up because we know all those that get away, those that sneak in and do not encounter U.S. Border Patrol agents who are not patrolling the U.S. border, but instead have all become clerical workers, processing paperwork and showing the migrants which way is north, which way to get into the various cities where they can run out as long as they remember to vote Democrat and get government services on your tax dollar. We will go from a nation of 331 million Americans to 341 million Americans in four short years. And I'm not talking about because of births of actual legal American citizens, no sir. I am talking about adding 10 million unskilled uneducated, non-English speaking, disease carrying, drug mules, human traffickers, poor people, rejects from their own society, people who couldn't make it at home, failures in their own nations, criminals, yes criminals, terrorists, absolutely, right on into the country. 
Roll out the red carpet, Joe Biden. Welcome to the United States of America. You are all criminals. You violated our sacred law, our immigration law. It's not immigration policy. This is a nation of laws. You violated the law, our immigration laws. So therefore, you committed a crime. That makes you a criminal. I just got a text. Why are you calling them criminal lawbreaking, etc.? <clears throat> Number one, it's etc., not etc. Learn to spell. Number two, I call them criminal, lawbreaking, trespassing, illegal, invading immigrants because they have broken our most sacred law, our immigration law. And if they're allowed to break that law, just common sense to them. It's no problem to break the law, the immigration. So I can go ahead and break the other laws too, see? I can go and rob people and steal and carjack and rape and bring the drugs here. And the little 12-year-old girl that I've been raping, I can call her my daughter and tell her if she doesn't say, see, I'm your daughter, I will kill you. Then I will have my friends back home kill the rest of your family. You think that kind of crap doesn't go on? You're living in a fantasy land. Quit drinking the damn Kool-Aid. Mayorkas is a puppet of Biden. Biden is a puppet of the one world, new world order. That's reality, my friends. And if you can't see that, you are either blind, ignorant, or stupid. This is what is becoming of the United States of America. This is what we are turning to, a third world nation. They're putting all of these new rules and regulations and every other kind of restriction on us. Hell, you won't even be able to drive a gasoline-powered car in the near future. They're doing it because that is what they want, not what we want. To hell with what we, the people, want. Yesterday, I mentioned the Dodge Challenger and Charger are coming to an end. The most popular vehicles in that company's lineup. But they're putting an end to the iconic Charger and Challenger lineup because the company is now teasing a new era of mystery electric vehicles to come. The electrified future is slowly creeping into Dodge's inventory. Their first foray into electric-powered performance vehicles started with a sporty crossover plug-in hybrid back in August. They're not selling very well. They're not selling at all. Now it seems that Mopar legends will be heading to the chopping block in lieu of Dodge's new electric vehicle plans. Because Dodge is no longer an American company, it is owned out of the Netherlands now. So don't call it a domestic car company anymore. It is not. In fact, in an interview with Motor Trend, the CEO of Dodge, Tim Kuniskus, confirmed the muscle cars will be out of production before 2024. And new cars using completely different platforms will be taking over with a very significant model coming at the end of this year. Aside from this new mystery model, the plans are for all electric cars in the Dodge family. My friends, this is all the progressive, liberal, woke, climate change nut jobs doing. I also mentioned yesterday about Miss Cheney, Liz Cheney, Dick Cheney's daughter, getting her ass handed to her in a 40-point loss for re-election as a congresswoman. But don't worry, Liz. You got a phone call from gropey Joe Biden himself. And you should feel privileged because you're not an eight-year-old girl before the lady bumps start to develop. President gropey Joe Biden called Liz Cheney on Wednesday after she, the vocal critic of former President Donald Trump, was defeated handily in her state's Republican primary of Wisconsin. So gropey Joe Biden picked up the phone and reached out to Cheney. Oh my God, are you serious? The White House declined to comment, but a Cheney spokesman 
also declined to comment. Following her nearly 40-point loss Tuesday night to the Trump-backed conservative lawyer Harriet Hageman, Cheney says she will do whatever it takes to block the former president's path back to the White House. The 56-year-old hag, known as Liz Cheney, is serving her third term in Wyoming's U.S. House seat. The only one. They only have one. That's because there aren't too many people living in Wyoming. She's the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. She says she's considering launching a presidential campaign. In fact, only two of the ten House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump have been defeated in Republican primaries. Or simply called it quits. I want to tell you, my friends, this world is in heap big trouble. Real quickly, I do want to tell you, there is something going on in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I don't think it's legal. In an attempt to remedy what they call past discrimination, the highly partisan Minneapolis Public Schools and the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers have mutually agreed that white educators will be laid off or reassigned ahead of less senior minority faculty members. That's racism. That's bigotry. In response to criticism, the school district issued a statement defending the language of the negotiated collective bargaining agreement. Quote, to remedy the continuing effects of past discrimination, Minneapolis Public Schools and the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers mutually agreed to contract language that aims to support recruitment and retention of teachers from underrepresented groups as compared to the labor market and to the community served by the school district, unquote. According to the agreement, the so-called past discrimination by the district disproportionately impacted the hiring of what they call underrepresented teachers in the district as compared to the relevant labor market, the community, and resulted in a lack of diversity of teachers. Here's the bottom line. You're a white teacher with 20 years seniority. They need to lay off a teacher in your school. You will get laid off, white lady, before a black teacher with five years of experience so they can make the district look more blacker. -er. Of course, they use demographics. They use population and race controls based on local level figures, not the national average where 13% of the nation is black. In Minneapolis, it might be 40% black. So they want 40% black teachers. But that's not right. You can't utilize race and demographics against the white people in a different manner than you use race and discrimination and demographics for the black people. Oh, wait a minute. It's a Democrat-run city. In a Democrat-run state. In a Democrat-run country. Oh, well, white teachers, if I were you tomorrow, hell, today, just walk off the job. Take your retirements. Take your pensions. You have a college degree, for God's sake. There are 10 million unfilled jobs in this nation right now. The entire white teaching force in Minneapolis should simply resign today. Walk out. Leave them in a lurch. Let them put in lesser experienced, less seniority, and in most cases, less able to properly be speaking of the English language. You heard my say? Now me? It's already headed downhill. Just quit. There are private schools that'll hire you in a moment. Teacher with many years of seniority? Speaking proper English? Hell, I wouldn't put up with that crap. A 1986 Supreme Court decision found that, quote, a school district cannot lay off white teachers to remedy societal discrimination against blacks, unquote. So this action is directly in violation of a Supreme Court decision that dates all the way back to 1986. I'm sorry, I said 1968 earlier. I meant 1986. 
This working agreement was reached in the spring of this year after a three-week teacher strike earlier in the year. It won't take effect until next school year. Each district department's budget was cut by 5% under the budget approved by the school district in June, so a bunch of vacant positions will not be filled, but a bunch of white teachers will lose their jobs, even though they have more seniority and more experience and more abilities than their Blafrican American counterparts. Racism in America is live and well, but it's not coming from the place you think. It's coming from the black community, the Democratic Party, and it is aimed at destroying the white population of this country. That's the truth, and unfortunately, white teachers in Minneapolis, for you, that truth hurts. Enjoy your layoff. Coming up on the next edition of the Truth Hurts program, we're going to talk about the Native American indigenous peoples of the United States of America and how their special treatment compares with special treatment not afforded to other groups of people. You'll want to tune in for that one, my friends. That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day. We've got more to talk about, and we'll do so on the next program. Opinions expressed on this program are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I do apologize if you are offended, but I retract nothing, because what I speak is the truth, even when the truth hurts. Copyright 2022, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music from Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Thank you, sir. Make it a great day, everybody. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Mm-hmm.